0: Hey, it's Tom. I wanted to record an intro for my episode with Maureen Sheldon, who runs People Ops for Eversound. Um, There's a couple of bad audio spots in here, and I wish I was a little more clever with the editing tool that's built into this app, but I'd rather just publish this thing. Maureen is so sharp, and I really enjoyed talking to her about a bunch of things, but I think there's real gold to be mined here when she talks about recruiting and being intentional about onboarding people. So if you are working for a 20 person startup, thinking about how to recruit, how to onboard and how to be intentional about culture, I think you can't miss with listening to Maureen's take on all that stuff. So again, sorry about the audio, but I think it's worth fighting through the couple of shitty parts to hear what Maureen has to say. So, hope you enjoy. Hi, hey, Maureen.
1: Good morning. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
1: I'm good.
0: Thanks for okay. doing this.
1: Yeah, of course. I'm excited.
0: Um, do you want to take a minute to introduce yourself?
1: Sure. Um, just kind of go back with what I'm doing now and, and all that, or
0: I liked it. I like the first part to be really general. So however you want to, like some people might start with what they do for work. Others might start with other stuff. So however you want to tackle it.
1: Sure. Okay, great. Uh, Well, I'm Maureen Sheldon. I currently work at Eversound, which is an audio audio technology company here in Boston. Um, I've been with them for about two years. Uh, Prior to that, I was working in San Diego for another sort of medical startup industry called Veo and was there for about two years as well doing their office operations. So I've been kind of in this space for quite a bit um, of my career and I've I've really enjoyed it.
0: Where did you, uh, where are you from Maureen?
1: I'm from Boston originally.
0: How did you end up on the West Coast? (laughs)
1: So kind of a funky story. Um, I was living off on Nantucket for a couple of years and at one point just decided that it would be great to see the rest of the country and see where I wanted to land and end up. And so I sold my things, got into a car and backpacked the U.S. Um, And I ended up living in New Mexico for a little bit. And then after that was over, ended up in San Diego for about four years.
0: How long were you on the road?
1: It was about six months or so, um, and, you know, in terms of everything from when we left until uh, landing there. So it was a lot of fun. I saw so much of the country. I, you know, have two states left. Um, it really kind of hit that adventurous bone. So um, it was it was a lot of fun.
0: What two states do you have left?
1: Alaska and North Dakota.
0: North Dakota, huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I hear there's not much there, but, you know, we'll see. <laughs>
0: That's really cool. Um, yeah, I never knew that that you uh, took that route to get over there. So uh, I love that. Um, yeah, I wanted to have you on Maureen to talk about people operations, which to me is um, those are two big words, right? Like if you are uh, at any company, you've got a group of people, which to me are the most important part. Of the organization, and then the word operations to me is a huge catch-all for lots of different stuff. So I figured we could start by having you riff on what people operations actually means.
1: Yeah, I think you know it's a great way to sum up a lot of things, as you mentioned. Um, it's a newer word in the space and tech, no matter what your industry is. Actually, it's it's become more of um, the, the catch-all for HR, office operations, management, and that kind of thing. Um, but it's really what I believe is bringing back that people focus. So it's really taking the company as a whole and saying, how do we turn this into not just you know, a company that does well financially, but does well by its employees too. So it really focuses on that cultural aspect and that day-to-day enthusiasm and excitement of, of being in a company that's doing something exciting.
0: Can you say a bit more about, like, how much of when you join a startup in a people operations role, like, how much do you get to make that your own?
1: Oh, everything. I mean, when I walked into this company where I am now, uh, they they weren't really sure what they needed out of the rule. You know, so they didn't have an office manager. They didn't have an HR rep. They didn't have somebody to go through that day-to-day minutiae, if you will. And so when I met with Jake, our co-founder, he kind of said, what do you, you know, what do you want to do with this? And to me, it was exciting because I love the ability to wear multiple hats at once. I love that my day-to-day is not the same, and it's certainly not, not every day is the same when you're in people ops. So I was able to kind of mold the position into what I saw would fit the needs of the company. Um, and that's what I'm in. Uh, we currently have about 17 employees. I have my 18th starting on Wednesday. And with this small amount of people, you're really able to kind of get down to what is needed every single day for everybody. Um, so I was able to create, you know, the recruiting um, efforts, the onboarding, the offboarding, the cultural excitement. Um, and that's been a lot of fun for me. It's been quite a challenge, and I'm sure it'll be more we grow, um, but having that and being able to start and create that foundation is really, really exciting.
0: Can we pick a couple of those things and go a little bit yeah. deeper? So two things that you said that are, I'm really curious about are culture and recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe whichever one you want to start with first, but can you give me a little bit of detail on, on how you think about either one of those and what you've done with it at Eversound?
1: Absolutely. So with the recruiting efforts, you know, that wasn't initially part of what we, we agreed that my position would be so that that kind of came in, you know, within the first five or six months of me working here. Um, But there was no, you know, real backbone to what that was supposed to look like. And so one of the things you mentioned was the tools and and trades, tricks of the trade. And um, so I had a lot of research the best platform is what worked for me, what worked for our size. And I found that lever is a really interesting tool. It allows to you know, work with your website and, and um, have everything kind of come to you in this one big platform. But my recruiting efforts, especially with where we are in our industry is we look for people first. We look for people who are not only excited about being in the senior living industry, but people who are actually generally interested in bettering the lives of those, those humans that we serve. So it's really important for us and we're looking to understand who these who these candidates are before they even get to you know their skill set. Um, so what I like to do, and I do this with every position that we're hiring for, whether it is entry level or VP or above. Um, what I like to do is have a quick 20 minute conversation, just get to know who they are. You know, what do you like? What do you dislike? Where are you? In your life right now, what's something that excites you, and what can you bring with that excitement to our company, and why do you want to be here? And I've found that it's really helped us create this genuine, you know, kind of department by department. It's it's created this um, excitement for what we're doing, and we bring in these people who actually day to day feel like they're doing something good, and they know they're doing something good, and they're happy about it. Um, So when I recruit for, like I said, any position, we look at the people first. And I think that's another big part of why I love what I do and I love people operations because I get to meet all these incredible people from all different walks of life who really believe in in what they're doing day to day.
0: Do you always do that first call? I do. Yes. What are you listening for in that call that makes somebody a good candidate for Eversound?
1: (laughs) It probably sounds really funny to say this, but I like to see if um, we can get along I like to think that I have, you know, a good um, kind of test when it comes to meeting genuine people. And so if I can tell that somebody's really excited about a project they've worked on or something within their life, then they seem like a good person. And that's exactly what we need on our team. Um, so I've gone on calls that I say, I'll be 20 minutes and they turn out being 45 and I just can't get off the phone because this person is so exciting. Um, and those people tend to end up working for us. So, um, but I love doing the first call because I think, you know, interviews can be a little uncomfortable and I like to make them not uncomfortable. I like to make them more of a conversation. Um, and it's, it's really helped me weed out people who are not going to do well here, or not going to fit in in, in the way that would make them comfortable, too.
0: What uh, what types of things do you hear that get somebody put in the bucket of maybe not the right candidate?
1: Oh, that's tricky. Um, people who don't seem as though they understand the background of, of our industry or understand why we think it's important to do this. Um, you know, we have a we work in a very interesting niche right now. The senior living space in general is booming. However, what we do specifically is so tailored that it really does. You do have to have some sort of empathy towards either the population or the, the industry itself. Um, and that's a very easy tell. You know, a lot of people will come in and say something like, oh, yeah, my, you know, I have a grandmother who is hard of hearing, um, but they won't elaborate, or they'll just try to get it in there to seem like they're working for the position. Um, but you can tell when somebody's really genuinely excited about not only bringing technology to a community, but also what we're doing and, and kind of um, putting that excitement towards it.
0: Yeah, I mean, what you guys do from an outsider's perspective, like It's there's really like a a deep human emotional thing that even in audio, I'm sure um, like on on just a phone call comes through. Like there's a it's hard to think about senior living and family members who have gotten old and think about how like their experience could have been improved. My guess is that you hear some pretty, pretty deep stories.
1: Yeah, we absolutely do. And, um, you know, I, I love to tell this story whenever I do have an interview because I mostly work on the business and and with my employees. I'm never really in the field. Um, but I was very lucky to have the chance to go and see our technology in action about a year ago. And, you know, I get chills whenever I say it. But we walked into this community with over 100 older adults who were not talking. They weren't looking at each other. There was no you know, it didn't seem like they understood why they were there, what they wanted to do. And we put these headphones on them and the lights turned on. And it was incredible to see because I I thoroughly believed in what we were doing for the communities, but seeing in person is something else. And, you know, we've had all these um, family members call in and say, thank you so much. You know, I was able to talk to my mom or I was able to, you know, do this or this, or they listened to their favorite song and they were just beaming all day. Um, so it really is it's fun to see technology bring that excitement back into these older adults, but it's also great to be a part of it. Um, you know, we like to say that we do well by doing good. And I think that speaks volumes for what we're bringing to, to seniors.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Um, just to, I'm, I'm probably going to get stuck on hiring here because you know, it's, it's really fine. interesting to me and I think it's really freaking hard to do well.
1: <laughs> it is. um yeah.
0: Yeah. So, what? Um, tell me about the rest of the process and how you built that.
1: Yeah. So, what I essentially did was, I took a step back and said, "How do I want to be? How would I want to be a candidate this day and age? What would I want to go, you know, go through? What hoops do I want to jump through? Um, what's important to me? Because, you know, when I left San Diego, um, unfortunately, my previous company went through kind of a, a restructuring, and so I was I lost my job. And that was scary. You know, that's a really scary thing to have something come out from under you. And so I went through, I have to say, probably 50, 60 applications. And I would hear maybe callback from 10%. And to me, that just wasn't right. Um, It was hard to understand, okay, well, what am I doing wrong? Or what do I need to do? Or where should I go? And so to me, it's really important that candidates hear every step of the way what's going on. Um, So like I said, I'd start with the initial email and say, here's 20 minutes. Pick a bucket of times that works for you. I'll call you after the end of the call, I'd say, you know, this is great. I'm going to, you know, show your resume to the next person in the round. We'll discuss and I'll let you know by tomorrow where we're going. And that way they know what's happening. They understand where they're going each step of the way. Right. And another important thing to me is, is, um, how quickly I can get back to them. So I'm at any one time I'm hiring for two to five positions and that's a lot of people to manage and juggle. Um, but it's also a lot of different rounds that they go through. So it's the initial contact with me. Then it's a 30 minute phone conversation with whoever would be hiring them. After that, it would go towards our, our senior management. So it would be either a co-founder, a CEO or somebody else that they'd be directly working with because I want to get everybody's take on them and whether or not they'd work well and kind of be able to collaborate with different departments. Um, As I mentioned, we're a very small team. So we all work very closely together on a daily basis. So it's really important to me that they have, you know, all those different eyes and ears on them. Um, And then finally, the final round, we have this person come in in person. They either put together um, a a presentation that I basically give them a deck that I've done prior. And that gives them more information about the company, about the position, where they would be in that role and how they would go about it. And they kind of sell themselves to us. Um, The presentation itself usually lasts about 30, 45 minutes. And then they have you know, quick one-on-ones with um, people that they've spoken with on the phone and and maybe another member of the team or two. And by the end, we really know, okay, is this person, you know, do they want the position? Will they do well in the position? But are they somebody who is going to be able to be here and um, be happy with their job too? So we try to make this as painless as possible. Um, I like to have it be a two-week turnaround time. And it's really worked out so f- been very lucky in, in, um, kind of recruiting, I think at this point, nine to 10 members of the team who have been fantastic and they have, you know, they've really hit the ground running here. So it seems to be a process that works. I've gotten a lot of feedback from candidates I've talked to, even those who don't continue on, they've emailed and said, thank you for the transparency. Thank you for, you know, letting me know what's going on at each step. And, um, I like to leave it with a, you know, a good taste, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. How do you, um, how do you deliver bad news to people?
1: It's never fun. Uh, I'll tell you that much, but depending on where they are in the round, you know, if they've gotten all the way to the third kind of round speaking with the CEO or the co-founder, I will call and let them know that we're not going forward. Um, if it's lower in the round, I'll send an email and it's always, you know, I let them know, why we're not going forward with them. I wish them luck, and then I go from there. I think it's important that they understand, or at least they have a, an understanding of why we're we're going with somebody else, or you know why we pivoted a different way, um, and that seems to be helpful too. So, like I said, when I when I'd been interviewing for positions, it was always good to know what it was that I wasn't able to provide, or where I should look next, um, and I think it's a you know like I said, it brings back that human portion of the job back
0: I think that's a big deal I mean I've been I've gotten to close to the end of hiring processes in person stuff and have p- had people just ghost me yep um, which I agree with you is kind of crazy it's not there's no human consideration in a process like that so I love the way that that you think about it is there yeah. um Go ahead. No, go ahead. The um, I wanted to shift slightly. Maybe this will be a decent transition, or maybe not. But <laughs> Let's the see. Uh, so we have hiring, and then we have you know getting somebody up to speed. So maybe we could do a second there, and then try to transition into how you think about culture.
1: Sure. Yeah. So with onboarding, it was just like recruiting. There was um, the the fun thing about being a part of a startup is that everything is kind of not up in the air. I shouldn't say that it's, it's um, you kind of go in there and go, okay, what are we doing now? You know? And it's, to me, that's exciting. I love, I love having to put the puzzle pieces together myself, but I can understand the frustration of somebody who's not really inclined to do that. Um, So with just like with recruiting, I put together an onboarding process. So no matter the position, what I do, um, and I'll just kind of talk about this a little bit, especially cause I have somebody starting this week. Um, what I like to do is, you know, about a week or two before they start, we send a gift of brownies. So we send these like delicious brownies they are fantastic and just say, we're so excited to have you. Can't wait to see you, whatever this date is. Um, and then about oh, the Friday before they start, I send a, a first day email saying, You know, we're really excited to kick off this with you. Um, This is what I need from you to bring. I give them the I-9 form. I tell them what their first day is going to look like. I give them a whole snapshot of the entire day so they know what they're, you know, getting into. Uh, I tell them what they need to bring, what they don't need to bring. We have a first day. um, What we like to do, again, small team, we have a welcome breakfast. So the first thing they do when they come in is we all sit down, the whole team together, and we just go like a round-robin style of who are you, what's your position, what's, you know, one crazy thing that we should know about you. And we get to know each other in that way. And we spend an hour eating together, getting to know each other. And by the end, it just, you know, I feel like they get more immersed into who we are. Um, but the other thing I like to do is have everything set up. So I purchase their laptop prior. I get everything they need on it. So their email set up, their calendar for the first week is completely done by me and, and whoever the, um, the department head is who make sure they have everything that they need um you know whatever apps they need so slack hubspot etc depending on their position is there so they can open their laptop and just go and this is something that i started doing in my in my prior role in san diego um, a woman and i worked very closely together in terms of bringing in new hires and we found that having to come in without a laptop or without their desk set up or anything is really ostracizing and makes you feel like you have to spend that, you know, the first portion of that day kind of figuring out what's going on. Whereas having everything ready to go is so crucial. Um, So we like to do that. I like to make sure that throughout the first week, they're getting coffee or taking a walk, you know, each day with somebody from the team, they can get to know them, understand what they do, how they can collaborate um, and just really get them as quickly into the, into the, um, into the department as they can. So I found that very, very helpful. So we've kind of put together onboarding docs. Um, I'm creating processes that can be utilized no matter what. So I have a people process essentially, and that has everything from every stage. So recruiting to onboarding to um, recognition to, you know, all of that. Um, That way they know every step of the way where they're going to be. And I've found that it's very helpful. Um, I've talked to a lot of my employees and said, what, needs to change you know is this too much or is this not enough and we've really kind of tailored it to be a great onboarding experience
0: I love all that how does um how does some of that stuff like there are to me huge signaling things about the company culture in just that um onboarding process but tell me about I guess your stance on culture and how you can be or how you've been intentional about setting up the culture at Eversound?
1: I think it's a team effort. I don't think it's strictly on me. You know, I meet with the rest of the executive team once a week and we go over, you know, what's going on. What are the employee headlights, I guess, um, of, of things that are going on? Is there something that we need to be aware of? And, um, but I think what we've done is we've created quite the familial atmosphere. So we really believe that to do your best work, you have to feel good too. And you have to be, um, you know, you have to be fully here, but also fully in your own life as well. So we offer a work from home day on Fridays. We don't care where you are. You could be in, you know, the mountains and like the Swiss Alps. We don't care as long as you feel like you're getting your best work done. Um, If you need to take a walk, you know, we bring dogs into the office. If you have to go take a dog for a walk and clear your head, go do that. You know, we thoroughly believe that you have to, you know, be good in your personal life to be good here too. So we, we love to let everybody be who they are, be how they are, work how they feel best. Um, and it's, it's created quite a a trustworthy culture, I believe. Um, you know, I think the people go back and forth of, you know, is that going to essentially allow people to just kind of do whatever they want and not work as hard. But I, I find the opposite. I think everyone here works as hard as they can because they know that we're building something great But they know that we're taking care of them, too. Um, And we also, like I said, with this familial atmosphere, we really do believe in kind of highlighting our people. Um, We have an all-hands weekly. Every Thursday, we sit down and we go over the business. So we're very transparent in the recruiting process, but then we're transparent when you're here, too. So we go over any changes, anything new, anything exciting, and then at the way end of the meeting, we highlight somebody who's been incredible the last week. So we have our little, our, uh, we have a trophy, a, a recognition trophy that um, whoever it's passed to the week prior passes it along to the person that they believe helped them the best this week or did something amazing. And we really create that excitement around every single person who's here. Um, not only that, but we really do take time to support each other. Uh, we had a woman who worked for us for a very long time, and she was... Um, she's a professional hockey player. And so we would go to her games or, you know, we, we do things that we're outside the office to really promote everyone's excitement with whatever it is that they love outside of work. Um, and it's, it's, I found that it's a lot of fun. It brings excitement into the office in terms of creating these relationships, but it also allows you to understand your coworkers. Um, and I, I, just, I find that working here is a lot different than places I've worked previously in, in terms of, how well I know my employees and how well they know me.
0: How do you manage your time personally with all of the tasks that you have to do? I mean, just thinking about the day-to-day running of the business and the culture and, and the different activities that you are facilitating for people to have a great experience working at Eversound and recruiting and the hundred other things that you do, like (laughs) what are some of the ways that you are effective with your time?
1: Well, I, I wouldn't say I'm a hundred percent effective with my time, but um, I find that building things out in my calendar is really helpful. So I will block off certain time blocks for specific things. You know, I, I find that recruiting is easiest for me in the afternoon. So I block off the afternoon to do that and sift through resumes um, and reach out to people then. I like to build my phone conversations and interviews in the morning. And then Fridays, as I mentioned, we have work from home. I don't work best from home. So I like to come into the office when no one's here. And that's when I really make sure that the office is good to go. We have everything we need. Um, You know, if there's something broken, I can fix it. And that way we start each week on a clean slate. So I've kind of built out how I run my week throughout. Am I doing this for recruiting? Am I doing this for day-to-day management? Am I doing this for office management? Am I doing this for, you know, any other of the other things that I need to, to get done? Um, but I find that that's, that's the most helpful.
0: How did you learn that you are not as effective at home?
1: Well, I have a four-year-old dog who can be pretty needy, um, but I find I get distracted by what's around me in my in my house. I don't have another monitor. So I just sit there with my laptop and I need multiple screens in order to get everything done efficiently. Um, I also really like the, um, not the repetition, um, the routine of, you know, taking my commute into work and getting in here and having the floor to myself. It's, I found that it's a much better environment for me, especially with the multiple screens. And that way, if there's something that needs to be done, I'm already here and I can do it. Um, you know, I have, use, I utilize it on several occasions. You know, if I decide to travel somewhere, it's nice to have that Friday. You know, I can leave that Thursday night and that Friday I can work from wherever I am, but that's not how I work best. Um, a lot of my employees find they do enjoy that work from home lifestyle because they, they like working in their own environment. They like having kind of a, a quieter environment too. We, we work on one floor, so we have an open office. And it can get distracting. You know, we have different pods. Um, some people are on the phone all the time. Some people are working on fixing our hardware. Sometimes there are conversations in a corner. So it can be distracting depending on your work style and learning style. Um, so I think they find that Friday at home is really beneficial in terms of focus work.
0: I think that's great. I, to me, like my take on um, you know, when people talk about like the future of work, I think that like flexibility and treating people like adults takes care of like a big chunk of this stuff, right? It's not like, like all the articles I read, like in the space that we're in, people are talking about like doing these really detailed studies on office layouts and furniture colors. And it sort of, to me, like misses the big points of, you know, identifying with the mission of the company that you work for like do you like the people that you're with and like how are you treated and I think that a lot of what you just said it gives you like a good human feeling like knowing that you can skip the commute on Fridays and you know maybe go take an exercise class that is closer to your house that you can't when you are at the office like there's so much there.
1: Right. And, and that's exactly how it is. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's treating us like adults. Um, I think that there have been so many articles kicking around the last, you know, five or six years that are saying cubicles are out and open offices in just kidding, open offices out and cubicles are back in. And, you know, it, it's this conflicting view of, of how people should work best. And instead of telling them how they should work best, you should ask them. And that's something that I think we try to do here. Um, I think other companies are really trying to do that as well it's just you know if you want people to enjoy where they are and and love who they work with you have to ask them what they need.
0: I think that's great that's right in line with something that you said earlier in our conversation about um, thinking about how you would want to be a candidate in a process like just just that shift in mindset I think is so valuable and I think that Asking versus telling, like I just wrote that down because I think it 's a good reminder for almost everything it 's like maybe you don 't know all the right answers, but the people that are sitting in your office they have all the answers in their head on how they want to work
1: right, and that 's the thing i mean i 'll be the first to tell you i don 't have all the answers, and um, I know that, and i I want that feedback I want to understand what it is that people need, and um, kind of tagging along that we Moved from a, um, We moved from a smaller office that was kind of, you know, two or three blocks away about a year and a half ago. And when the CEO and I were walking around looking at office spaces and kind of trying to picture ourselves there, the one thing he and I really understood and agreed upon was this isn't just our space. This is everybody's space. So what do they want? What are they looking for? And we threw out this survey saying, what is it that you absolutely would love to have? What's it nice to have? What's a, ne- what's a necessity? Um, how do you want to, where do you want to work? What do you want it to look like? And we had all ideas from, you know, having a hammock in the office to having a soda machine, you know, silly things like that. But then there are also people who are saying, well, you know, we haven't had space in this prior place. Why don't we have little pods of space? Why don't we have phone booths? Um, it would be great to have a plant wall. It'd be so nice to walk in and see something green and see something, you know, with life. And so, we really took that into account and skewed the budget that way and looked at things that way. And we built something that had a piece of what everybody wanted in it. And it's become a really good environment. Um, You know, we're constantly adding little things to it. You know, I've just added our core values on the wall. Um, We had our holiday party and I had the picture of all of us blown up and put on that wall as well. Um, But little things like that, where you walk in and you just feel like this isn't just your typical gray and white black chaired office. This is something that has life into it.
0: I love that. How do you, um, like when you put a survey out like that, how do you filter what comes back? Like, you know, the hammock thing might be fine, but maybe we don't have room for it. Like how do you decide what are things that you're going to take action on?
1: I look at the functionality, you know, so instead of the hammock, which there wasn't a real, realistically to do that with with the stability in here so we did um these massive bean bags instead and they get utilized constantly Uh, but just taking whatever the suggestion is and saying is that realistic and if not is there something that's similar to it that's realistic and kind of going from there and again uh you and i have talked about opening offices and and how these kind of things go about and um so i would look at everything compared to my budget and say is this something that we need to have or should we utilize that money for something a little bit different or better or whatever it is. Um, but again, it's just coming down to the functionality of it. You know, I think a lot of people make mistakes in trying to assume what the best workplace should look like when you look inside the, the actual office, you know, what should it look like? What's the aesthetic? Whereas to me, what works for me might not work for somebody else. You know, I'm staring out at my floor right now and we went out and bought these, um, they're supposed to be sound buffer kind of partitions and I am one of four people that uses them. So, you know, why would you buy 25 of these if only a couple of us want them? So having that survey and saying, okay, how do you work best? What is helpful for you um, really allows you to cater everything to what people need. And I don't think that's realistic in every company. I think, you know, we're very lucky that we're small so we can do, kind of those one-off things. But I, I still think it's important to understand what is it that the majority need.
0: I agree. Um, I guess slight transition. What What is the hardest part of your job?
1: Honestly, it's that I'm just one person. Um, I think there's a lot that can kind of be given out to others, but it's very difficult to do so. Um, with even companies prior, you know, having one person who's running multiple things can be a time suck. Um, it can be very difficult, and it can really kind of pull you in a diff, you know a couple of different directions. So for me, it's figuring out what needs my attention and my focus most, and doing it that way. Um, right now, I'm really focusing on the recruiting aspect. So a lot of my week and day-to-day is going to be focusing on that. Um, And, you know, when that happens, sometimes the office management portion kind of falls to the side. And, you know, I think everyone is understanding of that. So I try to, I try to be better about that too. But I think it's just, you know, needing, sometimes needing a little bit more help or needing a little bit more hands-on. And I'm lucky enough to have coworkers who are always willing to jump in and help with things. So, you know, sometimes I can say, oh, so-and-so, can you go do this? Or can you grab this? Or can you see if we're out of something? And they let me know and then I can take it from there. Um, but I, I would say it's it's trying to juggle all of it at once and still stay afloat, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> um, other than Lever, which you mentioned as being, I guess the way that I heard it, as sort of your platform for recruiting, like does a lot of different things. What else do you use every day that is critical to somebody in your position?
1: So we also have a software called Teamphoria. Um, it's a review. Teamphoria? Teamphoria, yep. Okay. It, it's um, kind of like a pulse check on the organization. So literally every day it'll send out a, you know, how, how is your day kind of thing. And you can click a... A smiley face that says like either it was great or it was terrible and then discuss why. But it kind of keeps a finger on the pulse of how your organization's feeling. We do our shout outs through there. So the shout outs tailor in with Slack. Um and if somebody's done something amazing we shout them out and then everyone kind of knows and recognizes them. It also houses all of our reviews. It keeps everything in a file. Um so I have you know, review periods and, um, documentation on each of my employees and basically continuing to see how they're doing. Are they hitting their goals? Are they feeling good about what they're doing? Are they still, you know, happy with where they work? Um, but it really allows me to have kind of an eyes view of the day-to-day of my employees. Um, I, I love that. I think a lot of people use, you know, they've used reflective and, and a couple other things, but I find with the small team, my team for you really helps. Um, Slack is crucial. I think anybody in, any industry nowadays has some sort of, you know, instant messaging platform for their company. I love Slack. I think it has, you know, great turnaround time. The, um, the support staff is fantastic. If you need anything, it really integrates a lot of different applications. So, you know, we have a sales force here. Uh, when somebody makes a sale, it, it shouts it out on Slack. So we understand what's kind of going on in that aspect. Um, but I really love how it keeps everyone focused day to day, but also allows you to kind of get messages out to somebody if you need to. Um, but, you know, other than that, I'm constantly on LinkedIn. I'm always recruiting through that. I look at other little platforms for recruiting. Um, but those seem to be my favorite so far.
0: I've never heard of, uh, of team Foria.
1: Yeah. I found it about a year and a half ago and it's great. You know, it has all these dashboards and you can actually mirror it to a screen in your office. So it'll, you know, do a rotation of shout-outs and recognition and, you know, our core values and little quotes throughout the day. So it kind of keeps that that, – it's a little entertaining, I guess, but it it also keeps the excitement there and kind of continues shouting out people who have done a great job. Um, But it also allows for other types of engagement and um, reporting. So it's really allowed us to see what's going on in our our day-to-day with our employees.
0: Are there – are there ways that you can collect, like, I guess maybe anonymous negative stuff? Like, it feels like to me, and like I just said, I, I don't know anything about this tool, but um, having it up, like, on a second monitor where folks can see it, like, what other tools do you use to collect, I don't know if you get what I'm driving at here, but not-
1: Yeah, no, we, it does have a, there is a function for anonymity. And we've, you know, we actually talked to the staff and said, we'd love to understand how you're feeling on a day-to-day basis. Would you feel better if we made it anonymous or if you could make it anonymous? And some of them said it didn't matter. And some said, yes. So we just tried it. And there is a way where they can add in, you know, if they're frustrated or if there's something that they need to get off their chest, they can do that without us knowing who it is unless they want them, you know, they want us to. Um, And that's actually raised a lot of the metrics we're getting. So because you've added that anonymity tool, we're getting more responses and more uh feedback. But we have that in this, in in you know, the, the day-to-day pulse check and then in our review period, there's also a way to make portions of it anonymous as well. So I see the results, but managers may not. Um and I think, you know, again we really try to focus on that transparency and, and building trust, but I think that also goes along with this idea of you can say what you need to say, and if you're not sure you want to be highlighted, you don't have to be. Um, and I think that helps to build it up, build it up.
0: Do you, or do do people in your role pay attention to Glassdoor?
1: We do. I think um, you know I, I have some of our stuff on Glassdoor. Um, I've worked with them in the past. I think it's not as heavily utilized as it used to be. Um, And I say that just based on my own use of it. Um, You know, I used to do that when I was looking for jobs or I was looking at my company. Um, But I think people, I don't think people use it as much as they used to. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I, it just, to me, it's, um, it feels like Yelp, which I hate. Mm. Uh, Yep. It's so I just was curious, sometimes you uh it's just another tool out there that I'm not I wasn't sure if people are paying attention to.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if they are. Um, you know, I just like Yelp, I kinda take things with a grain of salt. If they're if they're said in, you know, a directory way or whatever, I kind of just think, okay, maybe this wasn't that employee's best day, or, you know, maybe they were laid off or whatever. But I think it, it does have some good tools in it. I love the Um, the salary check, I love the job check function of it, but I think you're right. There's, um, it can be difficult utilizing it. And again, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but if somebody, a former employee or, or whoever decides to say something negative about a company, um, it, there's so much tape around it that it won't be taken down unless it's, you know, breaching some confidentiality agreement. But then again, if you do it anonymously, you don't know if that's somebody who has breached it, um, so it can be a difficult tool, and uh I don't know i'm I'm kind of on the fence with that, but maybe maybe you don't use this portion
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go back and listen to make sure we're uh in good shape here the one thing that so there's two places that I want to go before we wrap up one is yeah. you mentioned um getting the core values up on the wall, and mm-hmm. can you? get into some detail about just the process around how you select core values?
1: Yeah, no, I'd love to. Um, So we actually utilize an operational system called EOS and it's a really interesting kind of way of looking at executive and leadership management. Um, It's this whole idea crafted by Gino Wickman. Um, We've been using it for a little over a year but in EOS, you literally take every quarter, you take your your um, leadership team, and they sit in a room for an entire day. No cell phone, no computer, no nothing. You sit and you work on the business. Um, and in one of those meetings, we sat back and said, okay, here are our core values right now. This is our mission. This is our niche. Do these feel like us? And I, you know, I, I think we spent about two and a half hours going over what actually felt authentic, what actually felt... Like, it would resonate with everyone who comes in these doors, whether they're a community, um, somebody who's utilizing our, our hardware or an employee, and really wanted to make sure that we were doing it the right way. And so we sat there about a year ago, and we kicked a couple of phrases around, and we kicked a couple of words around, and we really believe that we ended on what felt right to us. So our core values are teamwork, altruism, and dedication. And a lot of people... You know, they they like those hard and fast words that are exciting and kind of in your face and buzzwords. But to us, those felt the most authentic because everything we do gravitates around those three words. You know, we have to have people who are dedicated to not only our, our communities that we serve, but the people who are within those communities. Um, having an altruistic view is is intrinsic to what we're doing because it's so important to not only have that empathy for, but also understanding of what we're doing. And teamwork goes in any way, shape and form. you know it's teamwork between myself and coworkers or coworkers together, or teamwork with communities to help them have an easier time utilizing our system. Um, so we really sat there with those three words and, or th- those three um, words and, and felt that they were what we were trying to establish. Um, but I think you know a lot of companies. They go around and they say, okay, this is who we are. This is what we do. Um, what sounds like that. And then they just throw those phrases up there. Um, in my prior company, we worked in the medical field. Again, it was um, rideshare for medical, for Medicare and Medicaid. And we had core values that were fun and they were exciting. They really did feel like us. But then we started to move towards a different, a different kind of um, view, I guess. And we decided to have the core values uh, go along with the word drive. So I forget what they were, you know, it was a long time ago, but everything matched with one of those letters. So there was a D R I V E and they all kind of came down from there. So I think you, you know, as a company grows, they understand what means the most to them and what they're really actually trying to, you know, have in their space in terms of core value. Um, and it has to be realistic. It has to be something that people can actually understand and, and feel for.
0: Got it. And the last topic I want to hit with you is how would you coach somebody that's interested in getting into people operations?
1: Ooh, that's a fun one. Um, I think I can only go from what I've done. Um, I started as an executive assistant somewhere and then I went to um, that in a lo- I was an executive assistant for a law firm. And I love that. I love that I had my hands in in helping with processes and helping keep order. Um, But then I realized I wanted more than just being somebody else's assistant. And I wanted to have more of a site. From there, I went into office operations and I really learned the ins and outs of running a a day to day of understanding the maintenance that comes along with, you know, having a a space. Um, So I learned more about the overall um, day to day in terms of that. And then from there, I realized I really love that aspect of knowing my employees and knowing my coworkers and being a part of their lives too. And that kind of brought in that people portion. So I think anyone who wants to get into it, you know, start at that lower tier, see if you enjoy coming up with, you know, processes and putting things in order and really getting to know the business prior um, because you learn so much from that. You learn kind of what keeps the lights on, literally. You know, what happens if something fails? You, you have to be that person to go to. So you really want to make sure you enjoy being that go to person because um, you wear in this in this operation, in this kind of industry, you wear a lot of hats on a daily basis and um, you have to be ready for that.
0: Would you know pretty quickly in like having a five minute conversation with somebody that they'd either be good or not good at people ops?
1: I think so. Um, I think, yeah, I do.
0: There's. It seems like there is like flexibility it almost doesn't feel like a strong enough word. It's like being able to shift gears and do six or eight different things in one day. It just, it, it feels like a hard job. And one thing that like jumped into my mind as you were going through some of this stuff is like, do you think that there is there are some companies that place people in this role and like put people in a bad position with like crazy expectations to think that one person is going to recruit and develop culture and do payroll and run the office. Like it it feels like you could be put (laughs) in a tough spot.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, as companies get bigger, that's why they are able to have specialists. So, um, you know, in my in my current position, I work hands in hand with our controller. So she takes care of all of the financial aspects. She does the healthcare. She does the, the payroll. I do not. And then in terms of culture, I work with our CEO very closely because, you know, this is still his baby. He wants to be a part of it as well. So there are portions of it that I'm able to work with others in. Um, and I think the bigger your company gets, that's where you're able to kind of cut out those positions and say, well, we need somebody who is just a benefit generalist. We need somebody who's just going to work on our payroll. Um, but that comes with time. I think initially in terms of startups, you have to be ready, no matter what your position is in a startup, you're going to wear many hats. You're going to have to be a Jack and Jill of all trades. You're going to have to be able to move, you know, fluidly within different parts of the organization because that's what they need to build and to grow. Um, So I wouldn't say setting somebody up in people ops, you know, I I wouldn't say that would be setting them up for failure. I think anybody who walks into the unknown or the excitement of a brand new business and a startup is going to have to be flexible regardless. Um, But I think people ops, because it has its hands in so many things, you have to be more so if that makes
0: sense. Yeah, it does. I I hadn't considered that once you get to a certain size, you get to break off some of the specialization and get somebody to be a little bit more focused on individual roles. That makes good sense. Oh,
1: I think
0: I lost you for a second. Can you hear me? Yep. Um, Last question is, the um is not work related but you mentioned like the the trip that you took where you ended up in San Diego you mentioned the word adventure um
1: mm-hmm.
0: how do you like find some of that inve- adventure today like are you still traveling quite a bit like what what are you up to outside of work
1: yeah no i do as much as i can um you know i'm very fortunate where I have a dog, (laughs) so I, you know, I don't really have to worry too much about, um, other things, but I travel as much as humanly possible. Um, this past year I did, I think I did four States and then I did Ireland and Portugal. Um, this current year I'm focusing on doing a trip to Germany, Switzerland and Austria, but I love, I just love new things. I love meeting new people and seeing new experiences and, um, understanding cultures. So, Anything I can get my hands on, you know, I'm, I constantly look at flights and find things that are inexpensive and, and just go for it. Um, and I have a, a really fun group of friends who, at the drop of the hat, they're ready to go too. So um, anything I can do to to meet new people and do new things, I'm I'm in. So
0: that's awesome. Um, yeah. We're at fifty minutes. Is there anything that you want to uh, chat that I that I missed? Anything that you want to put in?
1: I mean, I think you, you hit a lot of it on the head. Um, people apps in general. I mean, I think anyone you ask who's in the industry is going to have a different um, understanding and representation of what, it, what they do, right? Um, but I thoroughly enjoy my job. I mean, I'm, I get to do a multitude of things on a daily basis, which is interesting and fun for me, but it also allows me to understand what it is I really want to focus on. Um, and I find that at the end of the day, I just love working with people. I love my employees. I love knowing who they are and getting to bring new people in who are great. Um, and I found that that, that might be my kind of niche and my calling in this industry is, is really understanding who people are. Um, but I think anyone you ask, you know, you have to be person-centered first before you can get into this. You have to really enjoy that day to day and, and that understanding of those you work with. And, um, you know, I think it's a really interesting thing that you wanted to even discuss what people ops does. And, and I think a lot of people hear the word HR and they immediately cringe. They think of the office and think of Toby, but, um, you know, (laughs) it's so much more than that. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of excitement. It's a lot of fun and, um, it can be, it can be challenging, but I think the challenging parts make it worth it.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for doing this, Maureen. If, uh, if people want to, learn more about you or Eversound, where should they go?
1: They're welcome to either find me on LinkedIn. Um, They're also welcome to email me at my uh, um, Eversound email. So it's Maureen, M-A-U-R-E-E-N at EversoundHQ.com.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Maureen. It's great catching up. Thanks.
1: Yeah, have a good day.
0: All right. Bye-bye.